Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is the Sixer Sense Podcast. I'm Uriah here with Chris. We're here to talk Sixers, all Sixers, and nothing but the Sixers. A couple of impressive victories on the road. How was your Thanksgiving, Chris? It was wonderful. How was yours? It was, it was pretty good. Pretty good. A lot of people that <clears throat> I know are getting a little under the weather. That's the reason why Lucas is not here tonight. If people are wondering, Lucas is not feeling well. Hey, before we talk Sixers, I have some good news. So I covered the Blue Coats game on Friday night. I couldn't watch the Orlando game Friday night because I was at Chase Fieldhouse Arena. So uh, a lot more people this time, I think, because the Sixers were on the road. About 2,000 people were in the gym. Really nice, <clears throat> family-friendly atmosphere. Um the mascot Cody was running around interacting with the kids and they had all the kids line up and do like a, like a, what do you call it? The line where you put your, your hand on the person in front of you, like Samba line or what was it called? That line where they, well, you know what I'm getting at, right? Yeah. I know what you're getting at. So anyway, it was, they were doing stuff like that and, and you know, it's a G league game and, and people came out to watch a good game and it was competitive. They beat the Greensboro swarm. Um, I think they won by like seven or eight points, but after the game, here's the point of the story. I had an opportunity to ask a question of one of the players, and I'm going to give you a chance to guess which player I got a quote from after the game. I'll give you a hint. He used to play for the Sixers uh, last year. What was the hint? Sorry. He he played for the Sixers last year. He played a couple minutes. He played a couple minutes for the Sixers last year. He had a really cool haircut. Oh, Charlie Brown. Yeah, Charlie Brown Jr. After the game, he was signing autographs, and I saw an opportunity, and I went in, I took out my cell phone, and I asked a couple questions, and you could tell he was really appreciative of it, um, getting some love and, and getting his name quoted uh, in an article that I wrote. But But, yeah, he's really tall, really athletic, and he is a much better passer than people give him credit for. He had a lot. I think he had like six or seven dimes in that game. And I think that was one of the questions that I asked him about. So, yeah, Charlie Brown Jr. And I know Lucas would Very love cool. that. Yeah, seriously. Um, awesome. Well, let's segue now into the Sixers game. We're going to start with their win over Orlando on Sunday night. Uriah, 133-103 to 103 is the final score. It was pretty much Philly all the way through in this one. Let's start with some of the starters. 29 points, 7 dimes for Shake Milton on 10 of 13 shooting. 25 on 10 of 14 shooting for Tobias. 11 for Milton, 9 for Montrez. And then uh, another scoreless night for P.J. Tucker. We'll talk more about him later. 
What were your thoughts on the starters in this game? Well, I think Melton, I think him and Milton, uh, they've proven themselves to be a pretty good duo. And in this game, both of those guys just kept their foot on the gas. Melton opened up shooting. I think he nailed an early three. Shake was aggressive. Didn't score too many points in the first half, not as much in the second half. Uh, I was really impressed by Montrez Harrell tonight. Not so much because he was, uh, you know, scoring points. It was how he was scoring points. And it, it could have been Doc trying to take advantage of some of the mismatches. Uh, Wagner could not hold Trez. I mean, he was very physical. And if someone else was guarding him, whether it was Paolo, uh, Manchero, or, or other players, the experience that Trez has over those guys, you could just tell the difference in how he played versus them compared to other other veteran teams that that he has not played well against. Tobias, obviously, uh, in the absence of the other stars, has stepped up in multiple games, including tonight. Really impressive. He he scored from everywhere. And I think Tobias is, uh, I don't know if people will say, oh, he earned his keep in these games. But against Orlando, he, he definitely was taking advantage of familiar rims because he used to play in Orlando uh, at the beginning of his career. But, yeah, those are <clears throat> those are some of the things that I took away from from the starters. What about you? Yeah, no, I agree all the way around. This has been a handful of really impressive all-around team efforts in a row now. Obviously, when you're down your three best players and your three most prolific offensive creators, you don't really expect to win many games by 30 points, no matter who you're playing. Obviously, Orlando is not a very good team right now. They are also dealing with a you know, slew of injuries themselves. They didn't really have a point guard in this game, which hurt them quite significantly after Suggs went down the other night. But even so, it's a very impressive win. I, I think at least four out of the five starters put together really solid outings. Um, we're going to talk more about Shake. He's just kind of been the story of this run. He's playing awesome basketball. This is the kind of production and explosive offensive output that we maybe were expecting a couple years ago when everyone was pegging him as a potential sick man of the year candidate. And that never really panned out. And he had a really down year that 2021 season, but Hey, I mean, he's only 26. He's at the very front end of his prime. He has plenty of time to get his career going in the direction that he wants to. And he's putting together a really remarkable run here. That's definitely going to turn some heads and put some eyeballs on him. So Shake deserves a ton of credit for his recent play. Tobias as well has been awesome since those guys went down. And as much maligned as he has been as, as a number four option, and maybe he doesn't fit that great as a number four option, he, he's still a pretty darn good number four option and the kind of guy who can scale up and put up big numbers when called upon in these kinds of situations. So he deserves a ton of credit playing great, smart, efficient basketball as does Shake, as does D'Anthony, as you mentioned. Just a lot of good stuff all around. Yeah, the the thing that stood out that you said was Orlando being down several key players themselves. Even if those players were in there, though, Chris, I would argue that we would have still beaten them because, you know, uh, Markel's still relatively young. Cole Anthony is still young. And I think the inexperience showed 
particularly when they were just trying to get into an offensive set. I, I don't think I, I can remember a game where there were this many turnovers. And in, in so many ways, it just looked like whatever the Sixers were doing, Orlando not only couldn't match it, but it was like they weren't even trying. And if they were trying, they were really sloppy, really sloppy. Yeah, I, I think the counter-argument there is that the three, four main guys they were missing are all point guards, and those are the guys who get you into those sets traditionally, like young young as they may be. Suggs and Markell especially are two very smart, talented playmakers who would help a lot in that specific situation. Cole is very comfortable handling the ball and getting into those sets. So they're missing the exact kind of guys who help with what you're pointing to. So I, I do think... Like, I agree. Philly played great. They probably would have won if Suggs was in there, for example, still. But, like, like they're, when you're missing all three of your point guards, it, it does hurt your ability to, like, set up the offense. What about point bowl bowl? Come on. Bowl bowl out there handling the rock? I I was impressed by bowl bowl. He disappeared, though, in the second game. But Yeah, bowl's awesome. Franz is awesome. They, they have some really good players. And that's a very interesting and compelling young team. But when you're down all your point guards and you're as young as they are, you're just not going to win too many games yet. And Philly, Philly is taking advantage to their credit. They've played awesome. Um, let's talk about the reserves now, Uriah. Uh, again, a pretty stellar all-around outing. 19 points on 5 of 8 shooting for Daniel House Jr. Probably his, not probably, easily his best game. Oh, yeah. Most prolific game of the season. Oh, yeah. Good for him. He made 10 trips to the free throw line. He was everywhere in that second half. Another really good Paul Reed game, 12 points, 13 boards, 30 minutes, three steals, two blocks. Five turnovers isn't great, but all around pretty awesome stuff. Six to six from the field. Um, and then 17 points for Furkan Korkmaz. What were your takeaways from the second unit in this game? I will leave Paul Reed all for you. Chris, that is your guy, and I know you have <clears throat> plenty of analysis for him, but I, I want to go to Korkmaz because, uh, look, if if this is the Korkmaz they get for the rest of the season, we're going to the championship because he was amazing all night. Uh, all right, of course, I'm being effusive with that, but the point is, is Korkmaz, he shot well. He was distributing well. There was one play when it Game didn't matter, but fourth quarter, Ferk, uh, he did a little uh, give and go with, I think, Melton at the top, gets the ball, drives to the rim, does a behind-the-back pass to Paul Reed. Paul Reed then fakes his shot and kicks it back to Ferk. Ferk nails the three. It's confidence like that where he's playing free, he's playing loose. Maybe there's not a lot of pressure on him because they're not – they don't have their stars, and they're in Orlando. So maybe, <clears throat> maybe that – influenced his style of play tonight but but just big shout out to cork Maz. he needed this game and um i think down your house too uh, but you said st- you said all of his stats but that's what stood out to me niang obviously you know really great offensive player uh surprisingly had some nice defensive plays in both games didn't shoot very well from beyond the arc tonight but he did have some nice drives to the rim had a reverse layup in the first half. I was impressed by that. What about you? Anybody stand out on the bench to you? Yeah, I mean, like I said, Paul Reed's been really awesome since Joel went down. He was a plus 28 in this game, which I believe is the highest mark on the team. Like, they, they won his minutes pretty handedly. Um, 
you know, 12 points, 6 of 6, 13 boards, 3 steals, 2 blocks. What, what more can you ask for in 30 minutes from a guy? Um, he, he continues to be really impressive whenever he gets the chance. And obviously, those chances have been amplified quite significantly with Joel out. I would hope at this point that he's pretty much locked into those backup minutes. Once Joe gets back, we'll see. Um, Montrez is playing pretty well himself, but it's pretty clear to me that Reed's the guy they need to be leaning on. But you you never know for sure with this particular head coach. Um, Yeah, I mean, look, Daniel House is a guy who has been – notoriously streaky over his career. He started the season in a bit of a slump. I know you in particular were pretty hard on him and a lot of, a lot of fans were. It's nice to see him getting into something of a rhythm. He's a guy that has the ability to help this team on both sides of the ball when things are clicking. And like you said, Furkan, Furkan was really good in this game and he's the kind of guy who has stepped up in the past in the place of injured players. We know that he's capable of putting together some pretty impressive shooting nights. And this was one of them. Hit all three of his three-point attempts, four dimes, 17 points in 25 minutes, only missed one shot from the field. It's pretty hard to beat that. That's a really amazing, well-rounded bench performance from a guy who was hurt not that long ago, who's still working his way back from an injury, so to speak. So really impressive stuff all around. Again, 30-point win under these circumstances, no matter who you're playing, is, is going to take a pretty impressive um, effort from everyone. So, Hey, real quick, how about that play, Paul Reed, pump fake, <laughs> drives to the basket, does, I think Al Abdanabi said he's like, oh, it's Dr. J, Statue of Liberty, goes up with one hand and just jams it down. That That's a, hi- <clears throat> that's a highlight that needs to go in his reel because that was that was amazing i i'm probably gonna go back to the game just to watch that one play yeah he's he's put together a nice little bit of a highlight reel these past this past couple weeks um i i that spinning layup and transition the other week that was that was fun so the one to beat the 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 halftime clock Mm -hmm. yeah that was amazing I'm, i'm i'm enjoying all the good paul reed content um So let's talk a little bit more in depth here about Orlando now, Uriah. They are currently just 5-15 and on the young NBA season. Are are they fully in tank mode? Do you think they're one of the favorites to land Victor Wimbanyama at this point? I definitely do. Uh, Look, Bol Bol is getting significant minutes, and – I thought he was out of the league after Denver couldn't find a purpose for him. And he kind of meandered. I think he was in a G league if I'm not mistaken, but, and surprisingly he looks pretty good out there. Uh, Wagner, both the Wagner brothers, they, they have nice talent, but nothing to write home about as far as Terrence Ross hmm. and, um, Oh, wait, you disagree. Fran- Franz is awesome. Yeah, right. Yeah, like, okay. No- I'll give you that. Mo is, I agree, he's like a back-of-the-bench guy, but Franz, if we were like redrafting last year, could right. would go like three or four. He's really good. I will give you that. Franz is, an, is a nice player. He has a really bright future. But if you look at Gary Harris, Terrence Ross, some of these old vets on that team, I, I can only imagine, you know, no matter how much money they're making in their contract, to play on a team like this that could very well be in tank mode and 
They got a number one pick in Paulo Bancaro, who's getting all the attention, obviously, and looked a little rusty uh, the first game back and looked not good at all tonight. But I, I think when Markel comes back, and I thought he was going to play tonight. I saw reports all over the place. Markel's going to make his debut tonight, but he didn't. Uh, Cole Anthony's a nice young guard, but I, I just don't see this team winning more than 25 games. I, I don't know what you think about that. What do you think? Yeah, um, they're, they're definitely in tank mode. They're definitely one of the teams angling for Wimbanyama. Um, like, again, we talk about key injuries. They're missing Wendell Carter Jr. tonight as well. He might be their best player. They're down three point guards. Like, that is not the full strength version of the Orlando Magic. I forgot about him, by the way. You're right. But even at full strength, this team is just too young to to win a lot of games. I I think they're a very compelling group. Like, defensively, they have the tools to be a really high-level defense some nights. They have a lot of length. They Some would say too much. You can't really have too much. But they are absolutely loaded in the front court to the point where they might need to start looking at a a trade or two ahead of the deadline or ahead of next season. Um, Obviously, Bull Bull coming into form like he has has made things more complicated for Mo Bamba, who broke out last season, who's now back in a bench role. So they they got some stuff they have to figure out. They have a lot of interesting young talent. I think that's a team that in time could be very good and maybe won't take that much time, but it's not going to happen this season as much as I like all their individual pieces. Like I think Franz is a straight up star. I think Paolo's a star. Bull Bull is like leading the league in block percentage and hitting 40% of his threes. Like that, that's an awesome player potentially that they've unearthed. And Wendell is a really good all around big who does things on both sides of the ball. But right now, again, five and 15, they're just not winning much games. They, they just lost by 30 to the Sixers with Tobias and Shake. So they're not going to win a lot. Is that why your fantasy team is called what it is? What was it called? Franz? Only Franz? Only Franz. <laughs> You're yeah. So clever. So clever with that. I, I know. Thank you. <laughs> um, but I will say if if they add Wim Banyama to a team that has Mobamba and Bull Bull, I, oh I think that's God. great. It's an excellent <laughs> commitment to the bit, and I would like to see it. That would be interesting. I, It'd be hilarious. It'd be great. Yeah, it, w- it would be like a, I don't want to say freak show, but it would be circusy. you know what I mean, to see all these huge players on the court and then Joel Embiid's there looking like, like a forward next to them. But I'd like to see it. I, I, I want to see it. I thought you wanted to see him with Chet Holmgren and and OKC. I do. Either way, I'm. You can't go wrong. Any of the teams that start with O, I'm there for it. Average prediction in the year 2030, the average height of NBA players is going to jump, and every team's going to have a seven foot four guy running the point. <laughs> 2030. Wait, how many? It's eight years away. All right, maybe 20 years down the line, but. Hey, look, I mean, if we're all alive in 20 years, that's a win for me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's go ahead and transition. So, hmm, Groundhog Day a little bit. We're going to talk about the Sixers versus the Orlando Magic, but the first game, which was more competitive. We're not going to spend too much time on this game, but let's just go with we're not going to do starters or or categorize it by reserves. Let's just talk about what stood out in this game to you, Chris, the first win on Friday night? 
Um, yeah, I mean, again, we let's talk about Shane Milton. 24 points, 9 boards, 10 assists, 1 rebound shy of his first career triple-double, I believe. Shea gets it. He gets a cheer for that one. Almost triple-double. off the charts lately. Um, don't know what else there is to say about it. He, he has been truly remarkable these past few games. Tobias, 23, 10, and 5, maybe not as efficient as he was in Sunday's win, but pretty pretty darn good as well. Um, and again, like like the bench showed up. That was a much better George Nian game. Hit five of seven attempts from three. They they got contributions up and down the roster. Zero points for PJ Tucker, keeping um, you know keeping the streak alive here lately. But other than that, there really no complaints. And we're going to talk about PJ. I think some of the PJ stuff is a little bit overblown, but. A good win, given the circumstances. Again, extremely shorthanded, a lot of guys out. You'll take what you can get as far as wins. And they've won two in a row now with Joel James and Tyrese out, which is pretty remarkable given how much they've struggled in the past with Joel out. So, The first game when I, when I watched it, I think I watched it Saturday. Of course, I knew the score, and I was just taking notes and just focusing on the play of certain players that, might have to uh, figure out where they fit in once Joel and, and the rest come back. And one of those players is Montrez Harrell. You look at what Paul Reed has been doing in that Friday night game, crazy on the glass, a lot of put-back shots, playing excellent defense. There's nothing you can say bad about Paul Reed, in my opinion, over this stretch. Uh, you know, nobody's perfect, a few turnovers here and there, but he's done his part. And Montrez, although he has been offensively um, demonstrate demonstrative, is that the right word? Yeah, demonstrative of his skill set, his defense Friday was was terrible. And I think that was the game in the first quarter, the bigs for Orlando. They were just taking over. They had all types of points in the paint. Completely different from tonight, but that's what happened that night. I think Trez struggled on defense. Uh, Tobias Played really well. Uh, Shake, like you said, it was it was all it was his night. And um, to all the haters out there who were like, "Oh, he's not he he'll never amount to anything." And Shake Milton, where's he from? He went to SMU. That's that's not like a top tier school. Look, the kid went through the G League. He's dealt with a lot of different lineups, just like Tobias, and injuries dealt with that. Different coaches. So he's adjusted his game, and now that the opportunity has been presented, Shake Milton is taking advantage of it. Ultimately, in my opinion, I think he's auditioning for his next team, and I think this stretch is going to get him paid, and good for him because his contract is one of the best, cheapest, most, um, I guess, economical a steal if you're looking at the production-wise. $1.8 million, and he's balling out you know, without – Harden and Maxi is so shake Milton. Uh, we'll talk about him later, but I was really impressed by, by those players in that game. And l- let's go to, let's actually focus on two, two particular players right now, Chris. Uh, both of them are, <clears throat> both of them are bench players. Uh, uh, typically without the starting lineup, but they've uh, at least Melton has been inserted into the starting lineup Let's just go back and look at game one through tonight's win. 
20 games or whatever it is. De'Anthony Melton and George's Niang. How impressed have you been with both of those players in particular this season? Um, I mean, extremely impressed. I, I've gushed about Melton on this podcast and very recently on the site. And like, I, I think De'Anthony has been everything Philly fans could have hoped for, um, considering the price they paid basically Danny Green's expiring contract in a year that he's not going to play and a late first round pick. You, you can't do much better than that. Um, Melton offensively fits what this team needs quite perfectly. He has stepped up consistently when guys have been down as well. And obviously on defense, he's their best guard defender. He's someone who causes a lot of problems for opposing teams on that side of the ball. One of the best pickpockets in the NBA, like a really, really impressive two-way player who has done a lot of good things for Philly. And George last year was their best bench player by a country mile. And were it not for Melton being as good as he's been, he would be Philly's best bench player by a country mile this year as well. He's been awesome. Bit of a slow start to the season, but he has really picked it up over the past few weeks. He's just an elite shooter. He has gotten a little bit marginally better on the defensive end. He's making all the unselfish connective plays that you want out of a guy like that. And he's just a really awesome regular season player. Now it gets a little more complicated, of course, in the playoffs when teams are going to be more precise and they're, they're going to go after him more. And we'll have to see how he holds up in that environment eventually. But as far as the regular season goes, it's really hard to complain. His shooting is really important for this team, especially when Joel and James are healthy, but it's it's equally important when they're not, frankly. And he has continually shown up and put together some really big nights lately, so he deserves a ton of credit. So I'm looking at DeAnthony Melton's stats right now, and in 17 games, he's averaging 11 points a game, averaging 27 minutes, 42% field goal percentage, but 38% three-point percentage that's I think that's what he was brought here for as well as his defense I think his addition was is, was the worst thing that could ever happen for Matisse Thibel who I think is going to be traded at some point um when the deadline uh before the deadline but Nelson I when I saw highlights of him and I'm sure you looked at him too when he was in a Memphis jersey you see this guy driving the lane getting up for dunks, making nice shots from beyond the perimeter. I'm thinking, how, how did we get so lucky? But again, that was like the transition. He hadn't played for us yet. But the past 17 games, he has far exceeded my expectations. And if he continues this, he will be the most valuable role player for us. And in games where someone might be out, whether Maxi misses another game or Harden rests for a game, I think we all have that confidence now that if he comes in, we'll be fine. He'll stabilize things. He doesn't take a lot of risks. He always seems to be steady with whatever he's doing on the court, defense or offense. So I love Melton. As far as Niang goes, look, he continues to surprise me. For a guy his size, and I'm not knocking him because everybody has different shapes, he gets the job done, showing a little bit more athleticism than we would assume he didn't have but you said it earlier his shooting is remarkable he's one of the best spot up three-point shooters in the entire league and uh he has like a cool nickname the, the minivan he's how can you not like a guy that it, it accepts that name and 
just goes through life. Hey, I forward for the Sixers, three point specialist. And by the way, my name is the minivan. Uh, and by the way, he has really embraced this community, uh, doing podcasts, uh, great interviews. He says the right thing, but for whatever reason, you just, you see that guy, you're like, I, I trust that guy. I think he gets us and we get him. So, uh, Big ups to yeah. Melton and Niang. Yeah, those guys were awesome. All right. All right, Uriah, let's look forward a bit now and talk about how this team is going to look once they eventually get healthy. Obviously, Joel is expected to return sometime in the near future, or probably at least a couple weeks away from James and Tyrese getting back. But eventually, ideally, knock on wood, this team will get healthy again. How complicated do you think it'll be for Doc to mesh all this talent that seems to be bubbling up out of nowhere now that guys are hurt? How do you think it's going to be how, – how complicated do you expect it to be for him once everyone's back? How is he going to make all the pieces fit together again? I think, I think it's going to be very complicated because – Look, if you look at places like Boston, places like Golden State, except for when Golden State plays on the road because they stink on the road this year, but teams that have played together for a significant amount of time, and when I say time, I mean seasons, plural. You can't beat that. So when Maxi comes back and B comes back, Harden comes back, you're they're still coming back to a roster that hasn't had a lot of experience playing together and then you have guys who have flourished in this environment because they have minutes just laid out in front of them and they grabbed it and they took advantage of it what happens to their mental state when they're now back on the bench maybe getting 10 12 minutes a night where most of the shots and plays are called for Embiid and Harden and Maxi? I think it's going to be very complicated I'm not optimistic uh, because I don't know. Doc doesn't give me much optimism because he can be stubborn. Um, but I think it's going to be very complicated. Uh, and, and the reason why, one last thing, the, you have Joel Embiid, post-up player, can do a little bit more, but he, like the way he generates offense for this team, very unique. And then you have Harden who is an offensive specialist, he has a unique role. And then you have this speedster, Speedy Gonzalez, Tyrese Maxey, who's coming into his own. These are all crazy dynamics that it's like a problem you wish to have. But now you have Shake stepping up and and Tobias is stepping up. Like, where's all this going to go? I'm a little, uh, little worried. What about you? Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely understand the concern, um, but I I don't know. I don't really think it's as complicated as all that. I, I mean, frankly, the rotation is just going to go back to where it was. I, I think Shake is, has earned more minutes, and we'll, we'll talk more about that. But beyond that, the same guys are going to be getting minutes. A lot of the ball handling opportunities are going to go back to James and Tyrese because that's where they should go like I as great as this run has been 
you know, you want the ball in James Harden's hands. You want the ball in Joel's hands. I don't think you're going to sacrifice a ton of offensive possessions to get the likes of Shake and DeAnthony and Tobias more ball handling opportunities because it's just not the best use of the offense when Joel and James are back. Like, Joel and James have to learn how to play together better. There's still some chemistry to build there. There's still some rhythm that those two don't, those two haven't always been on the same frequency and they're not there yet. And these injuries have probably hampered that even further, which sucks. But beyond those two kind of figuring out their dynamic, I I really don't think it's that complicated. Like the offense is either going to run through Joel or James pretty much 48 minutes a night. Those guys are going to be staggered. If they're not, then it's going to go through Tyrese. Like, Beyond that, the other guys are going to have to learn how to fit in. We've seen Tobias buy into his 3 and D role pretty well. Melton's very comfortable in that role. George is very comfortable just standing on the perimeter and checking up threes. The The main question mark, like you said, is probably shake at this point. Like, what happens with him? He's going to need to get to a place where he can bring this level of energy and bring this level of aggression to... 10 or 15 minutes a night instead of 35. And that'll be an adjustment for him. He's going to have to take more spot-up threes. That's always been something that he doesn't do enough of when everyone's healthy. Like The onus is going to be on shape to adjust to those guys. I don't really think you need James and Joel to adjust to shape because as wonderful and awesome as shape has been these past few games, he's not anywhere close to Joel or James. And once those guys are back, you have to tailor the offense to them. And that means Shake. If Shake wants a long, successful career in the NBA, he's going to be, he's going to have to show that he can tailor his game to star players like that. Because no team in the NBA is going to run their offense through Shake Milton. He's just not that kind of player on like a full-time 82 game basis. I don't think he is at least. I think he's potentially a very good and dynamic bench player, but I, I don't think he's a guy that you're going to build a team around. So he's going to have to show that he can adjust. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, on a, it, I'm, it's very complicated. Like you said, there are a lot of different dynamics at play, but at the same time, I think it's kind of just going to go back to what we saw before on the injuries. And they're going to have to get better at those specific dynamics, but the, the power dynamics at play are going to be pretty much the same, I think. Um, so let, let's let's talk more now, specifically about Shake and about Paul Reed. Um, Uriah, do you think those guys have cemented their minutes in the rotation after this run? Do you think those guys are, are kind of locked in, or are you worried that once everyone's back, Doc might still be tempted to maybe ride with Montrez in certain matchups or to, to push Shake back to the periphery? If Doc is smart he would start now and give both of those guys as many quality minutes as possible and not worry about Montrez's relationship with, with the coach and, and anybody else, because they're showing doc who they really are. I think Paul Reed is coming into his own when he's down on the block compared to the past few seasons where he just seems out of control. He makes a move and you're like, that, that's a good move. And then he executes it and he scores it. And he he gives you offensive rebounds, which Montrez doesn't really do. The defense that Paul Reed is, I think, much 
much better than what Harrow gives you. So if I'm Doc, I'm like, look, Trez will get some minutes, but the majority of the minutes should go to to Reed. As far as Shake is concerned, I'll sing his praises all day because I, I like how he plays. It's not many players, good players that are on such great contracts that can score on three different levels. And we've seen him do that all week, going back before Thanksgiving. And I think Shake Milton, look, if anything, it'll give Doc or it should give Doc some, some I guess, more trust in that if he needs to sit some of his starting guards for whatever reason, foul trouble, uh, maybe they're a little banged up, what have you. Or maybe there's just, you know, a matchup where it's not like a top tier team. Throw Shake some more of those minutes because the more confidence he gets, the more momentum that he carries going on through the entire season. When the playoffs come, when the playoffs come, Doc can rely on those two. What do you think? Yeah, no, I, I agree 100%. I, I especially agree with that last point. Like Tyrese and James were playing way too many minutes before they got hurt. And whether or not you want to blame the injuries specifically on that or not, you know, is up to each person. But regardless, they're just playing way too many minutes, especially James, who is coming off of a lingering hamstring issue, now a foot issue. He's getting older. Like, you can't – you really shouldn't be playing James 40 minutes in any regular season game. And that was happening a couple times. Like, that, that's just not it. I – I agree. Like, throw Shake some more of those minutes. He has earned it. Shake was a guy who was not playing very much to begin the year, and I think he should be playing more. He's absolutely 100% worked his way into that conversation. But like I said, like he, it, it's going to take some adjusting on his part, too. It's really him who has to adjust more, I think, than James and Tyrese and Joel. Like, he has to get better at striking the right balance between being aggressive and, and, like, just learning how to play off of those guys. More threes, more spot-up jumpers, that kind of thing. He he can play like this, but we don't always see this level of aggression when everyone's healthy. And some of that is because, like, appropriate, because you can't be taking too many opportunities away from the stars. But Shake's going to have to learn, learn how to strike that balance. But he has earned the opportunity to do that, and... We all know that I think Paul Reed should be backing up Joel Embiid. Um, Trez is the third string center at this point. I, there's really no two ways about it. I I don't know if Doc agrees with me, but he should. Uh, <laughs> of course he should. Yeah, if Joel is healthy, we shouldn't be seeing Montrez ever, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, agreed. So, uh, oh, let's, let's uh, switch gears here. All right, the final topic tonight are some question marks on uh, the Sixers roster right now. One is a starter and one is a bench player. You mentioned it earlier, and it's now time to talk about P.J. Tucker. We could have talked about him last time we talked, but this pattern is continuous. He's still not contributing much of anything on offense. He gets the ball, and there's movement, dribble handoffs, it's, he's very reluctant to shoot for whatever reason. What do you think about PJ Tucker? And what do you think about 
Furcon Corkmans. Like they're like, I don't know. There's confusion in my mind. What do you think? Yeah, honestly, I I think a lot of the PJ Tucker panic on Twitter or wherever has been pretty overblown. I think it stands out. I, I think the fact that he's not scoring is a valid point of criticism, or it, it's worth pointing out. But I think it stands out a lot more when your top three scorers are missing. When everyone's healthy, you really don't need P.J. Tucker to score a lot of points. He's just not out there to do that. He's hitting 39% of his threes this season. It's not like they're not falling. He's just taking about one fewer per game than he was last year in Miami. Like The volume isn't there, and that is worth talking about. But when everyone's healthy, again, you have Joel, Tyrese, James, Tobias, all these guys eating up shot opportunities. You really don't need PJ out there trying to do a lot on offense. And as long as the threes are falling and as long as defenses still respect him from distance, especially in the corner, which they should, because again, those shots are still falling. I'm, I'm really not worried about it. This last couple of weeks have been a pretty egregiously like absent of points and that, that, but like that's going to correct itself. Regression to the mean is, is going to happen. He's going to hit a couple eventually. It's just statistically likely that he will hit a couple at some point. And on the season, those shots have generally been falling. So I'm I'm really not worried about it. Defensively, he's been pretty awesome most nights. He's handling the toughest assignments every night. He's doing a lot of what you would expect out of PJ Tucker. Um, so I, I really don't have any huge complaints with PJ. Like he's had a well, couple of you... games offensively these past few weeks, but on the whole, I I really don't think there's a lot to panic about. And again, this is a guy who I think, you know, you signed PJ for the playoffs right. and like really until then, <laughs> I, I don't know if there's really much point in worrying about it. Like if he shows up to the playoffs and, the offense is a huge major issue. We can talk about it, but defensively he's been where he needs to be. It's the regular season. He's 38, whatever. We know he's going to bring an extra bottle of energy to the playoffs. Like I, I really don't have a lot to say about BJ. I think, I think he's been fine. You know? All right. Before you, before you talk about Cork Miles, let me say something about uh, PJ. Cause you, you made me think of something. So everything that you said, I agree with. I want to give some specific examples that tell me that he's still adding value while he's on the court, even though he's not making a ton of shots or any shots. So there was one game against Brooklyn where uh, Durant went baseline and PJ having played against Katie all these years and still having the, the wherewithal to know what to do in certain situations, used that baseline as, as another defender and, and forced Katie to make a, I think a bad pass so it's examples like that that show his value. And then I guess a subsequent game after that, PJ, uh, Sixers missed a three, and PJ just came out of nowhere, grabbed the offensive rebound and kicked it out, and the Sixers ended up making a shot on that same play. So it's examples like that is what makes him so valuable. I, I will concede and say the playoffs is what he was brought here for, his grittiness, his toughness, experience. And right now, he just knows his role. And he, I kind of respect a player like that who understands his role and is okay 
sacrificing his offensive production so that other guys can can have opportunities. Yeah, I, I mean, like, he's only averaging 3.7 points per game. He averaged 7.6 with Miami last year. He's only taking 1.63s per game instead of 2.7, despite playing a couple minutes more per night. Like, that, I understand to an extent where people are coming from, but, like, it's P.J. Tucker. The, the guy's role has been pretty set in stone for pretty much his entire career. He hits a lot of corner threes. He's a very smart, unselfish, connective player offensively. He's not going to put the ball on the floor. He's not going to look for his own shot. Like, I, I just don't really know what fans were expecting. Defensively, like you said, played awesome defense on Durant. Played awesome defense on Giannis not long ago. Like, he's guarding the best players in the world at a very high level. He's rebounding the heck out of the ball. And, and like, he's... Again, he's still hitting 38% of his threes. It's not like the three-point percentage is way down or anything. The volume is down a little bit, but it's early in the season. Guys are hurt right now. He's a bit out of depth offensively maybe because all the really high-level creators are out, and that maybe puts him in more of a precarious position. But once guys are back, I really see nothing to worry about. And it's not like there are no complimentary guys on the bench who can help pick up the scoring slack when guys are struggling the anthony george now shake all those guys can go and get some buckets when the sickers need them so you really don't need that out of pj so what about Ferk? tell me about Ferk. Yeah, what's going on with Ferk? um as far as Furkan goes i i think he's a pretty useful like 12th or 13th guy off the bench I, I i still think that's where we are with him like talking about tonight sunday night's game he can give you 17 points and three made threes if you give him the playing time and the space to do it. But most nights when everyone's healthy, he's just not going to be in the rotation. He's not going to surpass Shake. He's not going to surpass the Anthony. Once Matisse gets back, I think Matisse is going to eat into those minutes. Like, What about Daniel House? He's just the bottom of the bench of, guy. Could he take some of Daniel House's minutes? Um, I, I, I think House is better too. Like, I... Okay. I, I don't think Furkan is a guy who's going to see a lot of playing time once everyone's healthy. I'm pretty comfortable with that. Like, like I appreciate the big scoring nights and the confidence, like you mentioned earlier, the flashy deep threes and the behind-the-back passes. Like, I, I can get behind all of that. But, you know, defense is still an issue. He is quite prone to some cold spells, as we are all well aware of. He's just not going to be a regular rotation piece, and I – I'm pretty comfortable with that. Yeah, I I can't say anything more to that. I actually agree with everything you said about Furkan. I guess with that, man, I, I guess we can head on out tonight, and I can go watch the Eagles now. Yeah. All right. <laughs> to all our listeners, as always, thank you for tuning in to yet another week's episode of the Citrusons podcast. Please like, subscribe, and follow along if you can. We are on YouTube, of course, if you're watching hit that subscribe button. If you are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or Audible, continue to follow along. Give us five stars if you can. Leave us a review. Let us know what you want us to talk about next. We are on Twitter and Facebook at Sixersense. We are on the web at thesixersense.com. And until later this week, peace out, everyone. Go Sixers.
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.